Hey, Jay. Good morning. Hello, Nick from the Scott Learning Center. How you doing this morning? I'm doing all right. You want to try our hand at a podcast here for the first time ever? <laughs> sure. All right. Well, this is Nick. Uh, I'm with Jay here. Jay's down in Mississippi. I'm up here in Missouri, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Southern agriculture, and hopefully a show that has some legs will be called Southern Agriculture Weekly. So, uh, both of us work at Monsanto, but uh, the show will not typically focus on all things Monsanto. We really want to focus on uh, all things related to Southern agriculture. And Jay is a uh, Southern uh, Southern guy, born and raised, and works down in Mississippi at uh, one of the Monsanto Learning Centers, where uh, he gets to interact with farmers uh, and customers on a daily basis. So, uh, and lives and works in the area. So, uh, brings a great perspective to Southern agriculture and hopefully we can, uh, see how this goes. So, um, our first show, Jay. So, uh, why don't we kick things off with uh, a little bit of introduction of your, of myself and yourself, and then we'll jump into this real fast, huh? Okay. All right. So, uh, Nick, I've been at, uh, agriculture for about 15 years and I didn't grow up on a farm, but, uh, getting excited to learn about, uh, agriculture from people like Jay, uh, really try to dive into it and, and learn uh, from people like Jay uh, in agriculture and um, really excited to be a part of, uh, of the agribusiness and agriculture industry and um, just love working with farmers. So uh, I'm excited to do this with Jay because uh, he teaches me a lot and uh, hopefully we'll uh, hopefully share some good information with you all out there in podcast land. So um, Jay, you want to introduce yourself there? Well, I'm Jay Mahaffey. I manage the learning center for Monsanto in Scott, Mississippi, and uh, I have quite a, a growing amount of experience, I suppose, in Southern agriculture. I grew up on a farm in Northeastern Louisiana and went to work for Dalton Pineland Company in Scott, Mississippi as an entomologist back in the early 90s. It was actually 23 years ago. And in that experience, I've, I've had the opportunity to work on seed treatment. I've worked on all sorts of product introductions around the world and, and really had a great opportunity to, to learn things that I'm hoping we can capitalize on a little bit and share some information that is specific to farmers and how they can use information in their fields and in planting and planting of, of their farm. Let's see. You there? Oh, yeah, there you go. Sorry about that. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's, I think, really what we want to try to focus on. So um, plenty of topics available, obviously, and um, let's just uh, jump right in. I think maybe uh, one thing I'd like to kind of start doing as we do this is what's the one thing that's top of mind for farmers in uh, the southern U.S. right now as you as we get ready to, uh, well, it's March 1st, so um, planting is happening in some parts for corn in Texas, but uh, Others are just kind of getting the bug to start doing it. So can you share maybe the one or two things that are sort of top of mind that you'd uh, like to talk to or let growers know about? Yes, I would. I have a, a couple of things that are particularly relevant at this point. Uh, it's raining right now, straight down across most of the mid-southern geography. And now the conversation has turned toward planting or planting, the planting of planting, let's put it like that. Uh, we're talking about hybrids and hybrid selection. We're talking about planters and preparation to planters uh, as, as uh, accurate as possible. And, and there are a few things in that conversation that are relevant in today's world, uh, particularly as we begin to plan and think about how we're going to grow corn crops. 
the thing I would, the information I would like to relay today primarily is the fact that there are about six or eight things that you do before you plant corn that you can't undo after you plant. That makes those decisions even more important when you, when you start to make them. If you think about it, when you get ready to plant corn, you, you can't change technology, you can't change hybrid, you can't change seed treatment, number of seeds planted, the distribution of those seeds in the soil, or the planting depth that those seeds are planted at after you've planted the crop. So all of those things are very, very important to, to folks that are getting ready to plant corn. Now's the time in this rain when we have a, a little bit of a dead period before the planting actually starts to get our planters tuned up and get, make sure they've got brushes in them, make sure they're well adjusted, make sure everything's as it should be because you get really one shot at all that before you plant. So having a good plan, I, it kind of seems, you know, natural to think that, right? But uh, I, I'm assuming you say that from years of experience of some people kind of maybe don't go in with a plan sometimes or maybe things go around when the, when the plan goes awry or you kind of have these times like now, like you said, when it's raining to kind of revisit that plan and make sure you're, you're really committed to it. Is that kind of what you're saying? That's, that's partly what I'm saying is, is all that is, is really necessary up front, particularly in corn. And the, the reason that I make that point uh, so expressly is that it's a difference in contrast between crops like cotton. In cotton, it's fair enough to make the statement, yes, we pick a variety. That's very important when it comes to yield potential and quality and all those things that are associated with cotton varieties. But we don't have quite so much upfront preparation to grow cotton. And the difference in the two crops is relevant in our system as our growers are being more flexible. You know, in, the, in today's economic times, we're moving back and forth pretty fluidly between corn, cotton, soybeans, and rice, and all kind of other crops. The difference is that corn really has to be prepared and all those things have to be done up front. In a crop like cotton, we plant it after we've chosen a variety and a planting population and we react to it through the season. <laughs> and I hope through this podcast process that we're going to be able to share a bunch of this information that we've generated on the Learning Center over the years because it's been done really on behalf of growers. And we have a lot of information in all these crops that we can share that I hope can be useful, at least give food for thought as we do these things. And so uh, let's dive into that a little bit more. So you're talking about a little bit of difference of growing corn versus growing cotton, which uh, in your neck of the woods, cotton was, you know, king cotton for years and years and years. And you guys are starting to really see a shift in the last 15, 20 years, maybe even sooner for some folks of, of a switch to corn. Um, it, it, that's kind of like a, almost a cultural change in some regards, but also just obviously a management change. And, and, you know, it's kind of like when we're, when we do this podcast, we're going to learn over the next few weeks and years, how this thing works and the iPhone that it's recorded on. We have to learn that pretty quickly, but it's kind of the same thing. Sounds like it goes for switching from your core crops of cotton and beans down there up to rotating in corn. Is that fair to say? That's exactly correct. And it's based in my experiences personally and professionally. I, I, and I will admit this up front. I'm an unrepentant cotton person. <laughs> I built my career growing cotton, learning how to grow cotton and manage insects in cotton fields. And as I began to transition into managing the Learning Center several years ago, I developed uh, a lot of this from experience. We have the opportunity there on the Learning Center to take input from growers. And I tell people like this, if you buy Monsanto products, you're paying for the things that we're going to show you in the field here, or the data that you'll see on our webpage. We take our input from growers. 
Uh, I've developed a lot of this stuff sort of based in my experience and things that growers ask us to do. And it really truly is a shift in the mindset that you have to apply. And it's an interesting dynamic to me in that when I took the learning center over, we had, <clears throat> we had people who had grown cotton for some of them for 80 or 90 years who were going to be grain farmers, corn farmers from that point forward. Now that cotton has sort of reemerged and is coming back onto the scene, <clears throat> some of those families have not grown cotton in 15 or 18 years. Wow. So now we've learned the corn lessons, and I think it'll make our agriculture stronger overall in the end. But as we begin to move back toward cotton, we need to understand that it's a reactive crop. We need to remember the lessons or relearn the lessons that we've had from the past. Interesting. So that's uh, so for someone like me, who's kind of a novice to the whole cotton thing. Cotton is a you can grow it continuously. Is that is that correct? Oh yeah, it, it there <clears throat> there are always positives to crop rotation. There are positives to cover crops and all those things. But we have had fields here that that have <clears throat> up until fifteen years ago, they probably had cotton on some of them for sixty or seventy wow. years. Now it will make our agriculture and our cotton production stronger. I think in the end, net as we draw in rotation, as we learn these other lessons and other crops, it's going to make all of our agriculture in the South strong. Yeah, it really, it, it sounds like it, it's just diversification, right? And that's obviously really important now with uh, kind of where the farm economy is, let alone um, just good management practice, it sounds like, correct? It really is. And it's diversification a lot of different ways. You know, it leads to, you have to invest in equipment, you have to invest in knowledge and all those sorts of things. And you have to make sure that, that the folks that are selling you varieties or hybrids have things that are, that have been tested here and that are adapted here and all that's fair enough. But you also have to realize that as we diversify like that, it gives us options and that's a really good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, like you said, uh, one, one thing to take away from, uh, for this week at least is really kind of look, revisit your plan. Um, whether you're growing corn or cotton, but particularly if you're, you're in that corn mindset uh, this time of year, because uh, would that would corn be planted first before cotton? If you're in sort of a corn yeah. bean cotton rotation, yeah. okay. So corn would be corn would be the first crop, then we would usually plant cotton and soybeans sort of continuously, and then we'd finish out with soybeans. Gotcha. So corn is sort of top of mind right now, as as guys or uh, farmers are sitting in the chairs in the office on a rainy day. It's it might be a good time to kind of consider just making sure your 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 plans tightened up. Is that a good summary? Yep. Okay, that's, good. That's exactly right. I'm about to leave to go to the gin show this afternoon, and I suspect that's going to be the entire conversation all week. Is yeah, what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. Well, let's talk about that a little fast. So maybe we'll maybe talked about planning for this show but um what is uh what are some of the things you're hearing from growers obviously um you know winter is a time when it's trade show season and meeting season and uh growers uh, and farmers talk to each other and talk to folks like yourself what is what's those two or three things that are sort of top of mind for for farmers right now well there's some of those some of those topics that are that are being discussed at the current moment are, are the normal things you know what are we going to do and how we're going to do it and there's always this analysis that has to be done of economics and you know there's there, there's a lot of that kind of conversation going around but most of that's been settled at this point 
the, the topics that are really on everyone's mind now are what products and how do I use those products that I've chosen to plant. So in corn, the guidance I, I would give people is make sure no matter where you buy your corn seed from, that you understand the appropriate way to use it. Because population is one of those things that can't be changed after you plant. And you really need to know not all hybrids respond similarly to the same population. So you really need to know and understand that. That's the piece of information that's on everyone's mind. Soybeans, people are asking questions about soybeans and maturity groups and, you know, are they adapted and do they have the various seed or uh, disease packages, you know, inherently included in the seed. Uh, we select for a lot of that through the breeding process. And then the, the real buzz around now is about cotton. We're having a lot of conversation about cotton varieties because there have been some changes in cotton varieties in the recent past. And I hope we really get deeper into this through this, this podcast process, but cotton varieties, once we've eliminated, since we've eliminated the boll weevil from the system, we don't have that disruptive pests involved anymore. We now have cotton varieties that have greatly increased yield potential for several reasons. The real uh, driver in a lot of the cotton conversation today is, yes, we made good, pretty good yields last year. Some areas had issues, but for the most part, we wound up with a cotton crop that was of a quality, a fiber quality, that has really been unseen at this point from the southern U.S. Really? So now we are, you know, the conversation is, was that a yearly effect last year or is that a varietal effect? It's probably some of both. So, you know, if we can maintain the ability to grow these crops intermingled with each other, we can deal with all the herbicide issues that are that are going on. You know, you have not all crops are tolerant to all herbicides. So all of those things have to be figured into the system. But people are pretty excited about cotton. Yeah, that's uh that's interesting. And yeah, definitely hopefully we uh get some legs on this, uh, this idea we have and, uh, would love to talk more about cotton. Cause I know that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, who you are is, 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 as you alluded to in your intro of the, your cotton person at heart. So, um, yeah, definitely want to kind of go into that topic a little more. Um, what, what else from like an agronomic standpoint is we, you and I are kind of in the, the agronomy group in Montana, what sort of things are top of mind? I, I know, I know that stuff you mentioned is, you know, sort of related to agronomy, but what are some of the things that, that growers can be thinking about right now? You mentioned it's pouring down rain down there. Uh, you know, have you had good, good moisture? Have you had good rainfalls and timely, or is there going to be some issues with soil movement or, you know, anything from a fertility perspective? What are, what are some things across the Southern, Southern U.S. that people need to be thinking about right now? Well, we, we will not have a problem in the southern U.S. with too little moisture in the near future. Uh, we're It's wet, really, across the, those deep southern three or four states. Yeah, you guys actually had snow this year, right? <laughs> yep, we had uh, about four days. It never got above freezing, and I don't know. I don't ever remember that. But we've had uh, issues with that, and there will be some field preparation problems, I suppose in the spring as as we're having to deal with all the water and all the things that have happened i would i would say today the thing that's really top of mind to everyone is have i burned down do i start clean you know all of those things have to be done no matter the crop that you grow particularly in the in the shadow of the pigweeds that really have really become an issue lately 
so that'll ha that has to be dealt with and is being dealt with today. That starting clean with weed control is pretty important. Fertility-wise, we would, should not have big issues, I, I don't think, because we've made you know soil corrections as we needed to over the fall. The one thing that I would bring up as a fertility potential fertility problem for the, the 2018 season is that I'm a little concerned with potassium in a lot of these cotton fields. As we've grown these other crops for 10 years or so or more, uh, make sure that, that we've replaced uh, potassium as we needed to, particularly as we go back into cotton production. So how would how would one go about doing that? Does the novice uh, agriculturalist here, what, 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 is, what does well, someone have to do for the potassium angle there? It's typically done using soil samples and replacing the, the, number one, you have to replace the amount you've taken off the field. And number two, make sure that you follow those recommendations and know what you actually need for the crop that you're going into. And, and, and growers in your neck of the woods can either reach out to local agronomists from any of their seed companies or co-ops or, or university extension, right? That's kind of yeah. yeah. There's lots of information around about that. I, I'm I, and I think there's plenty of awareness, but it never hurts to bring it back. Right, up. right. Good deal. Um, so what what else is uh, what else would you like care to share at this point in time? Like I said, March first, uh, heading into uh, you know planting season or planting pre-plant i guess there's various stages you can segment out i suppose but really we're in planting season right now so um what uh what other thing i i assume there's some sort, sort of excitement obviously planting is an exciting time for farmers it's fun to follow people on social media and see them share all their photos and that's true sense of optimism every year and it never ceases to amaze me no matter how bad the farm economy might be um, there's still a sense of optimism to get that crop in. Um, is there, is, you, you kind of feel that too, at least from your conversations? I do. I, do. I, I, I sense some hesitation and, and some unease with the, you know, economy the way it is, farm economy the way it is, but there's great optimism. You couldn't do this if you didn't have it. And I think the thing I would tell you about our experience for 18 as it builds is that, the program I manage here at Scott on the Scott Learning Center is based in growers and, and the things that they need for their farms. And we take input from the public. There are lots of places and ways that you could contact us. We're on Twitter and Facebook, and my phone number's all over everywhere. So, <laughs> uh, we take input from everyone. I can't possibly guarantee you we'll do everything everybody suggests. But we do make a sincere effort in every way we can to take the input that we gather. And if someone has a question, a specific question about a product, about an agronomic system, about a row spacing, we try to do those things. And, and I would encourage anyone who might listen to this to make a suggestion because we, we take that to heart and it really is the central focus of our program. We, The Learning Center itself is about it started out at 130 acres. Well, thanks to the demand of customers asking us questions, we've been able to grow to almost 350 acres. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And we farm this in a way that I call commercially simulated. So I use a piece of equipment that a grower could buy on. He could take home, go home and buy and use on his farm. Now, we've, like, we've got all the latest, greatest things in the field, like the, the older generations of planting technology. I've also got the latest, greatest stuff. But we do that because we realize our customers use a whole lot of different machines. They have a lot of different ways that they have to farm to make it all fit together. 
And in that, we have a wide variety of soil types that are all the way from a deep, silty sand on the bank of Deer Creek there at Scott out to a, a cracking, very heavy clay. And the clay is the part we added this year. So we will have a variety of hybrid evaluations in a lot of different soil types and a lot of different ways. And if, if there's something that we can supply our customers, we want to do that. Yeah, and that's something I think we want to talk about in, a, in another episode here is, is just the, what you do at Scott, because you alluded to it, and maybe we can talk about it briefly here, um, but the, the history is so rich there, and that's a whole other episode, the, just the history of Scott, Mississippi, and Delta Pine Land down there and the work that you're doing. But, um, you know, like you said, um, the learning center that, that – Montano operates there is truly a learning center. You you learn from farmer customers, and hopefully they're coming away with a nugget or two of information that um, that they can bring back to the farm. and And you've hosted thousands of thousands of folks over the years, but you know that's that's what that's supposed to be is is a uh, is you know kind of a, a a research field for for folks to to take back information to their operation. Yeah, that that is exactly what we intended to be. <clears throat> we do represent a, a lot of different agronomic systems, understanding that we do have that little bit of a geographical restriction. You know, we, we can't pick the farm up and move it everywhere. <laughs> but we we try to do that the best way that we can. So through that process, we're building on that history. We're on we're based on the historical home of Delta Pineland Company. It was a Mississippi company founded about a little over 100 years ago. And there's been a lot of innovation come through the system there at Scott. That's something that I've got about 23 years experience directly involved in. And I think the Learning Center is sort of the natural evolution of that process, being able to, to follow that up, integrate new crops, introduce cotton varieties with really unrivaled fiber quality and yield potential, and, and hopefully move forward for the future. That's great, yeah. So, uh, Jay, we'll wrap this one up. I think we've uh, gone about 20 minutes, and uh, I probably could go another 20 minutes if we sat here and just started talking like we planned on doing. But uh, we'll, we'll, ta- we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it easy for this first one, just to see if this thing actually okay. works. And uh, you know, next week uh, we'll be. Let's dive into cotton a little bit. I that's a it's something uh, I don't know much about. Um, growing up in the Midwest, uh, it's obviously a, a very southern. Uh, crop it's it's grown worldwide now but um, I know it's something that you're very passionate about and something that um, southern farmers in particular even if they they haven't grown it for various economic reasons in the last 10 years um, like you said I think a lot of farmers still consider themselves cotton farmers uh, or at least uh, generationally they they consider themselves cotton farmers and um, I'd love to hear how you um, what you think about that what your experience is is in, in working with farmers um, who've grown cotton for so long and are maybe coming back again. I think that's uh, that's something that we, it's interesting to me. So and I know you have a great deal of experience with that. So um, hopefully we can touch on that next next week. I think it's particularly relevant because there have been some pretty exciting changes in cotton varieties that need to be addressed in management through the mm-hmm. year. And I hope as we get further into this, we can be very responsive to any comments people make and talk about corn hybrids and how we use those appropriately and then get deeper into this management and all the things that that are involved in that management of those crops. The other thing I would say is anyone who might hear this in the next few days, I'll be around the booth at the gin show all week or all weekend and stop by and see us or go to monsanto.com and the scott learning center summary materials are on the website and you also have your facebook page out there at the scott learning center as well yeah 
So uh, that's Jay. Uh, I'm Nick. We're going to wrap up this week's edition of Southern Agriculture Weekly. Um, as Jay sort of alluded to at the end there, we really hope this has some uh, some good potential to, to really talk, uh, kind of go a little bit deeper into the management side uh, of, of your operation and your farm. And we definitely uh, would love to take your questions. Uh, we're trying this on a new podcasting app. So there's some capabilities for us to, I think, get some comments from folks and weave them into the discussion. So more to come there, and uh, we look forward to, to chatting with you all every week. Thanks, Jay. Have a good all day. Right. You do the all same. Right. See Take you care. later.